0: Okay, I stumbled across this the other day. It was texted by my sister. I thought this is one of the more lovely marital things. You haven't listened to a single word I've said, have you? What a weird way to start a conversation. That's, there's some truth in that, some beauty. And I'm going to wait till you get it, till you understand it. Um, he's really working hard, right? He's working hard to, like, how could this possibly have started this way? I don't get it. Um, you know, it, it's it could be more like, uh, "Hey kids, it's time to go to bed," and then, then, then you, the follow-up is usually, "Did you hear me?" And when the answer is like, "Yeah, I heard you." Then why are you, why are you, why is why is the not going happening? Like, why, where's the where's the movement? Right? You may know this in, in the Bible. Hearing just equals obedience. I mean, if you understand where God sits on the throne and He says something. To hear is to obey. Otherwise, it's something else, right? It's like, what, what, there's a disconnect. That's why you don't say no and Lord usually in the same sentence, right? <laughs> no, Lord. Like, well, no, there's only the yes, Lord. Is that, you guys tracking with me? When, when, it's, when it's a biblical injunction, when, when God says to, to hear is to obey, some of you know there's not even a Hebrew word really for obey this. It's just hear, 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 hear. Come on, people, hear what God has to say. Because to hear is to obey. And as we close out the book of Acts and, and begin to open up our you know, Christmas season with some very specific Christian Christmas texts, We're going to close down this book of Acts in our series that we've been in and and we find Paul speaking the truth about Jesus. Just the truth, the truth, the truth. And how important is that? We've been hearing it over and over this morning. The truth about Jesus and his kingdom. uh, But as as maybe you are very familiar with, with just because you're speaking the truth doesn't mean there's a response. So Paul has a mixed response to his message. Some people hear and are obedient to the truth. Some people, you know, heard the sounds but are disobedient to the truth, dismissing of the truth. So we're going to read through the last section here as Paul arrives in Rome. I'll interrupt myself as is my want and then uh, we'll we'll focus in at the end on some key things about, about listening and being responsive. After three months... We set sail, they've wintered here in an island. Uh, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in an island, a ship of Alexandria, coming out of Malta, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after a day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to, now this sounds very beautifully Italian, Putioli. You've got to love that. Uh, there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. So remember, this is a large entourage. This is prisoners, centurions, the whole thing. And I'm just trying to imagine. So the brothers said, hey, come on in, Paul. And uh, soldiers, yes, and other prisoners. Okay, this is a strange sort of hospitality. I don't know who you invited over to your Thanksgiving table. But, um, but if their, their uh, warden came with them... Uh, and their ankle bracelets, I would applaud you. Nicely done. So the centurion's probably enjoying a week off before he has to get into Rome and all the things that centurions probably have to do when he gets to Rome. So probably enjoying the hospitality, but what a strange prisoner Paul must have been and what an experience that must have been. So it says in, in the end of 14, we came to Rome and with the brothers there, uh, they heard about us, and they came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. All right, summarizing all that we've just experienced. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, so these are his covenant countrymen, they objected to this. He says, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. I just want to pause for a minute to think about the hope of Israel. What do you think about that? The hope of Israel. What was Israel truly hoping for? Yeah, Messiah. So when the Messiah would be, as we'll look next week, it was going to be one who comes and, and sits on the, the throne of David because David was the quintessential king of Israel. So when that gets reestablished and they, they get there, um, then all nations will come and honor honor them. But the Bible has this very interesting phrase, restore the fortunes of, (laughs) restore the fortunes of, this idea that Israel would come back into prominence. And if Israel then gets back into prominence, is that good or bad for the world? It's amazing for the world. And and let let me read a psalm to you, psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations, so what we were talking about Israel is a nation, but let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. There's a sense, and, and Jimmy Dunn picks this up. He says, the thought in here is that God's faithfulness to Israel is part of his universal saving concern for all the nations. Because if, if Israel's God is in his proper place and the kingdom is in the proper place, then the whole world will benefit through the flow of authority from the throne. So the blessing of this restoration of this people Israel is going to yield fruit for the rest of the world. Jesus, then we see, becomes the rescue plan for the rescue plan talked about this before but the nations went astray so God starts over with his portion Abraham we see the nations go astray in Genesis chapter 11 Genesis 12 God starts over and says I'm going to take I'm going to make a nation out of one man to bless all the families on the earth and so so when that family Israel goes into exile and until as was read until the cities are gone, until everything is just laid waste, except for the holy seed that will establish there. That holy seed is then we see Jesus who's come to rescue the rescue plan so that once he is enthroned, all nations will be blessed. Right? When the baby Jesus was born to the t- brought into the temple, we read in, in Luke 2, 25-32, that there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. When will Israel receive its consolation? And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents, Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. That's the hope of Israel wrapped up in this baby that we have. Born in the manger. So if we go back to Acts twenty-eight verse twenty-one, um, the, the his covenant countrymen, the Jewish people of which Paul is very much part, said to him, "We've received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you." Which is pretty amazing for Paul, right? But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Christians have a difficult reputation in the Roman region right now because it seems to cause a riot everywhere they go. Right now, Christians are notorious among the Jewish people. Local authorities are leery about their influence. Historically, we understand if if Suetonius, this Roman Writer is correct that about 10 years earlier, one of the emperors, Claudius, had kicked out anybody with Jewish background out of Rome because there was just, there was just too much upheaval over this debate about this one called Crestus. It's like, is that Christos or Crestus? I don't know. So there's kind of a confusion. Is it, was it over this inflammation they kicked out? Then Nero let him back in, and this was before he turned. Just stark raving mad, but he, he wasn't, it's not like he was an amazing guy, Nero, but at this point he had let, let them all back in. So we know that everywhere it is spoken against, it's, it's, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like this could be the hope of Israel. We're still waiting for something more, and yet it is the hope. Right? So their lives have been greatly affected by this movement, but it also tells us something else. Let's just flip it around for a second. Everywhere it's being talked about. Everywhere the claim that Jesus is the Messiah and Lord of all is being announced everywhere. And that's good news, right? Well, that is the good news. So that's that's part we like, okay? So anyway, it it goes on, verse 23, When they had appointed a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. Go figure, right? Listen to this statement and see if maybe why they disagreed among themselves. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Who closed their eyes? They have closed their eyes. They have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles those nations. They will listen. It says, the last two verses of Acts, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. We're going to come back to those final two verses and and the the, the flourish at the end here as, as Acts comes to a close. Um, but just before that, we have to, I think we have to deal with this challenge uh to the to the Jewish audience. what is going on it, it is but it's really not just their problem. they close their ears. oh, how could they <laughs> uh do you we have our We have our own challenges right of listening, hearing, and obeying. How many of you have that you have some challenges of just prompt, immediate obedience to the Spirit of God as a way of life. Some of us. (laughs) I know we all do. So Paul's quoting Isaiah, right, from this famous passage that, that we like. Here am I, send me. But what was he commissioned to go do? Did you remember hearing that? What was he commissioned to go do? Go speak to a people who will never listen to you ooh ooh choose me if he had maybe heard the entire commission maybe he wouldn't have volunteered so quickly right i don't know i mean it's an interesting scene isn't it isaiah comes in a vision to the place he's not supposed to be he's a prophet not the high priest he's not supposed to be in the holy of holies but he has a vision he's in the holy of holies and there's just it's animated right there it's just Stuff going on. There's a voice saying this, and who will go, and all that. And he's just like, I don't, maybe that's why I'm here. I will go. But go and speak to a people who won't be able to, who won't respond to you. Your job, Isaiah, is to preach and preach and prove the claim that they will never respond to me. (laughs) That's my calling. Some of you feel like that because you're a parent. (laughs) Some of you feel like that because. You love people who just can't, they just don't know how to respond to that. Preach and preach and preach. And, but, but even in that, did you sense that there's a little bit of a twist there? Because I would heal them. So it's, a, it's almost a, a sarcastic or, a, or kind of a reverse psychology, like, hey, you're never going to listen to what I'm about to say. You're like, well, try me. we are like, well, you're never going to do it. Well, try me. Like, speak. I want to hear what you have to say. And I think if we could develop that perspective with Jesus, man, watch out. Watch out, world. You may know that Jesus quoted this passage as well. And, and it seems to be the whole reason that he spoke in parables. This is a very difficult concept. To think that Jesus was somehow cloaking his words? Or but he seemed to put a, put a barrier up that he wanted people to push through. And he was welcoming them to push through, but it was interesting. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, disciples, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So Jesus then takes Isaiah's role and says, I'm going to speak to deaf people. I'm going to reveal myself to blind people. And he spoke in those terms of of soil and seed. Do you remember? So I want to spend a little time at the end here just developing our ear for truth and developing kind of our sensitivity to the spirit, to get, having eyes for God's purposes and hearts for God's love and feet that move into being the beautiful feet that share the good news. Right? So Luke, if you remember that that he was the author of Acts as well, he seems he, he gives a version of this story of the parable of, of seed and soil but he seems to have reserved the punchline for the very end of his book in Acts to kind of say, this is the deal. This is what hurts. This is why people are not responsive. And I want us to put our hats on and think about that together. So let me, let me recount the parable here. Luke 8, 1 through 15. This is Jesus. You know, when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, As he did that, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have ears, church? You should listen. You should listen. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others, they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is what we were rehearsing in our prayer time. Wow, the struggle of those who don't believe. Wow. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, so the fruit doesn't mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. As you think about a parable like that, especially one that's been explained the way Jesus explains it, it, it makes me think, you know, I want to like, put it on other people. I want to say, yeah, you should really be better soil, or what's your problem, and you need to, you need to. But really it comes down to what are you going to do today as, as you hear the word of God? Are you going to let it be snatched away? Are you going to let it, let yourself be distracted from the message? And maybe you want the parable to mean I should be more careful and, and only sow the seed, the Word of God, in, in places where I know it'll grow. You know, like, why on, why'd you throw it on the rocks? Why'd you throw it on the path? Put it in your garden, you know? And so maybe that means to you, I've got to be very careful that I only have, I only choose friends who will, you know, will nourish the Word and grow and plant, but I think it, there's a broader spread than that. It's a broader spread. I was, I was at a, a party last night with probably 45 other very lost people being introduced around as like, hey, he's the pastor guy, you know. He's the, and then and, and very lost people. But yet, but yeah, I could see the, conversa- the conversations were taking place and love was being offered and there, was, there were great conversations about hurt from the church and just being able to deal with those different things. Cast it probably broadly, right? But the parable is, is saying Jesus is sowing the kingdom, the seeds everywhere, and, and there are different types of receptivity. And so I think it's good to think, like, how can we plow the ground and prepare the ground and, and make sure those seeds can grow? And I think that's, that's totally reasonable. Remove the stones, weed out the thorns, uh, sow the word more successfully, and this is something we're training people to do in our disciple-making disciples training center, is how to how to do that sort of work. But it is a it's a spiritual battlefield. How, how many of you would say you're you're semi-aware that, that when when you bring the word of God into some into another conversation, there's just a there's a spiritual battle. I mean, you're sem- semi-aware of, of that. And it feels like you can't get a word in. It feels like the ears are closed and the eyes are blind. And the, Oh, because why? Because that's, that's the truth. <laughs> right? It seems like every time I want to bring it up, there's like some other distraction. Every time I feel like I want to share a hope about Jesus, there's some other thing going on in the room, and then it just gets distracted. We don't end up, and it... Yeah, because there's a spiritual battle. Maybe you've read and stumbled across verses that say, oh, the God of this world has blinded the eyes. But they've participated because they closed their eyes while well, the. Right? I wonder if you could just put on your thinking caps with me a little bit and think about this spiritual battlefield. Because. When we're praying, we're praying for God, the Lord of hosts, to do what we can't do. Which is somehow penetrate the mind and the heart of some person who doesn't want to hear that sort of thing. I'm not trying to hear that. So there's this, there's this, this battle going on. that The person, if we believe what happens in baptism is that we say, we say, uh, my life is now dead and buried with Christ in baptism so that my new life could be raised with Christ. Then, then we would understand that those who are dead and dying are captive to the enemy of our soul, the, the, the devil, the father of lies. If you are the dead and dying, he, he's got you. That's called captivity. That's the kingdom of darkness. Do you remember any of these things from biblical reading or passages? This is the kingdom of darkness. But when you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God, and then, and then you raised to new life, he has no hold on you. Because you're not among the dead and dying, you're among the alive and rising, and you're moving in that direction. And if we think about spiritual warfare as, as, a, as a captivity and, and blindness and dark, you know, deafness, not able to respond to God, then, then we, need, we need God to do a battle but I think some of you know that in your own heart, you've had to do that battle too. And this theme that, that Izzy brought out in these songs and, and this thought about truth just kept resonating in my mind. Like, oh, we're so captive by captive to lies. The, the, the God, I mean, here, have you heard these? God could never love you after what you've done. You ever heard that? Where do you think that came from? Where? Where? from satan the, the enemy of our soul you'll never you'll never accomplish anything you know you'll never be useful to the king in fact you should just quit now right you, you know you'll never you'll never be able to break that you you're always going to be held captive to you're actually still among the dead and dying and you have to combat that with what truth No, 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 no. I remember giving my life to Jesus and burying myself. You know, we were buried with him and now I've been raised to new life. So no, I don't believe that anymore. And and it's so much of a battle in our minds for truth. We've got to take all the philosophies out there and the philosophies in here captive and make them obedient to Christ and say yes to Jesus. Yes, Lord, I will believe what you say about me. This is such a critical issue, and I don't know how to do this for you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I know that we need to start a conversation about this, and for those out there, because the devil has no hold on you that you don't give to him. I've rehearsed this a few times, but at the foot of the cross, the chains are gone, I've been set free, right? But then, but then what do we do? We, we go back to those things and refit ourselves for shackles. And we make an agreement with the enemy of our soul that, yeah, I'll probably never amount to much and I just better pick those things back up. And yeah, this is just always the way it's going to be and we, we shackle ourselves. And I wonder what's happening in the heavenlies if, if the enemy of our soul is saying, well, I, I understand that that person is yours, but they have made an agreement with me and I, we have to honor that agreement. I'm just imagining this play out in some sort of conversation with, the, with God going, that, that child's mind, yes, yes, but, but listen to what they've agreed to. They've agreed to cooperate with me in their own destruction and in their, their rage and in their, their you know, lusts and in their other things. So, so I do still, they did fit themselves again for, for shackles, so I do have some authority over them. Until we do what? We tell the truth. So we, we believe that Jesus is the truth. He's the way. He's the life. And then we just say, we break those agreements. No, 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 I am not indebted to you. No, no, these, these, weren't even, these, these shackles weren't even connected. I just held them here in place myself. I, you're right. I am actually free in Christ. And, and if, if we confess our sins to one another and we speak the truth about Jesus, we become healed but when when we believe the lies that we just offer back it's like we're signing away our vitality to the enemy of our soul and i think and this is i'm just saying i want to start a conversation with you pick it up an email or phone or we can sit down and talk about it sometime but I, doesn't this not resonate a little bit that we've we've given away our vitality we've signed it off with our little dalliances with evil and co-cooperation cooper, with the enemy of our soul, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're like, well, that makes sense. Okay, go ahead. And then I think he can use that in authority and say, I, I get you, they're yours, but they've agreed with me, and so somehow we have these agreements. When we're thinking about ourselves, and we're thinking about other people who are hurt and lost and broken, truth is going to be so important. That's why, I, th- I, th- I mean, isn't it, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we are saved, right? Is it, there's an exchange that needs to happen. So let's just watch, let's watch our mouths. <laughs> let's watch our minds. Let's try to do that work and say, is that true? Because, I, because Spirit, I, I want to only speak what's true and what's right about what, the way you see me. Does that make sense? we got work to do, but I think that's going to be part of our spiritual warfare is getting things correct and true. And that that goes to this this first and foremost, this need to be good soil, to produce growth and have mature fruit in our own personal lives. How much mature growth fruit is, is the word producing so much in your life right now? Is it? Does the word of God dwell in you richly? Does it spill out when you talk? pressed together, you know, and just shaken and like overflowing? If, if you have ears, you should, you should listen to the word of God. Let it flow through you. Are we, be, are we as a church becoming a hearing, seeing, believing, producing people with our eyes open to God's purposes, our, our hearts just awakened with his love. I think this is what, a, this is what producing fruit looks like. Feet ready to obey and, and to spread the news. I, I hear from, from some of you things like, well, how, how would I know and how would I hear from, from God? I, I, I don't know. What does that look like? I don't, I don't hear from him anymore. So let's just address that. If you haven't heard from God in, in a while, or if you haven't heard from God at all, please know that he does speak to us through his word. He want, he's ready. He speaks to us through his word, but by his spirit, through the words that most of you have a Bible. If you don't have one, we have extras. He does speak through his word. He speaks by his spirit when we pray and ask for guidance. Just show me what you want me to do. Speak, Lord. He speaks by his spirit through his people. He sometimes speaks through loudly through circumstances where you just find yourself. God is directing us here. So if you have ears, you should, you should listen. And if you have heard from God, what did he say? Some of you are like, yeah, I stopped hearing from him, but I used to hear, I used to hear, I used to get this nudge, this maybe a word or a, or a phrase, or maybe a conversation, but like, what was that, what was that word? What did he say? And then, what did you do about it? I've talked to people, and if I could summarize some of their, their stories, it would be, well, yeah, yeah, God did, did tell me to go do this thing, and, and then, well, what did you do? I didn't do it. And then he doesn't really talk to me as much anymore. I'm like, huh, huh? Have you had any other relationships at all in your life? Right? You know, if I stop, if I stop answering Peter's texts or calls, but then they, we have a term for that now. What's it called? Ghosting. Like, just, just, they just vanish, disappear. So if I ghost Peter he's going to be like, hmm, I think we don't have what I thought we had, right? I thought we had a connection. And if the Spirit of God is asking you to do something, and then you're, you're like, no, not going to happen, do you dare complain? Or what do we need to do? Let's just think, let's physicalize this. Let's say, okay, so you were here, and Jesus said, I want you to do this. Partner with me. Cooperate with me in the beauty and the generative like do this thing let's produce fruit and you're like no and you go this direction it may be that Jesus is still back there waiting to have that conversation you have that in a relationship where you're like why are we still talking about that because it was never resolved (laughs) like how annoying why can't we just talk about fun things like because there's this there's this there's this no lord which doesn't make any sense No, Lord. Like, (laughs) well, I'll wait here while you, whatever, right? I think sometimes there's this intersection where we've left Jesus and we need to go back to that intersection, just confess, agree to be obedient because hearing is doing. And if you have feet, well, put it into action. Let's go. If you have ears, you should listen. So here at the end of Acts, we, we have... This movement of God through his people to bring the message of Jesus to the ends of the world. Remember that the the line started in Acts 1.8. If you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And now we're here at the center of the ends of the earth which is Rome and so we've completed our thesis Paul probably has a very deep grief. We hear it in his other writings that his own covenant countrymen were walking away and disobedient to the truth. Yeah. Now look at what Jesus does regardless. He just sends out the word. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And Then he, he says he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's the word. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered and awed as the outcome of our lives together. May your kingdom come all the more as we repent of our own kingdom. And may your will be done as we listen and obey on earth as it is done in heaven. We, as a church, pledge ourselves to your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.